free every Sunday and so easy to take for granted. Um, good to, to celebrate that. And, and today uh, we, we will as well see God's faithfulness in the work of the, the church that has resulted in we being a church meeting this day over 2,000 years of our history. Um, I'm Drew Smith, the pastor here. Welcome those here physically, those online. As we, we take a look at the, the beginning, the beginning meeting really of the church as a separate entity. Um, uh, as I uh, thought about this, I, I gathered a few pictures of some other firsts and that I'd love to, to share with you. Uh, this is the, picture of the the first McDonald's in in San Diego um, and uh, you can see a little different a lot has changed but there's still hamburgers they're not 15 cents anymore um, but in the, the the next one uh, it's uh, uh, the first Starbucks yeah Starbucks started in uh, set 1971 and this is the first one on Pike Street in uh, in Seattle and uh, then the, the 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 next one is uh, changed its name a little bit uh, somebody told him, take Pete out of the way and let's just make it a Subway sandwich. And that, uh, that and McDonald's, I think, are two of the largest uh, franchises in the world. And then the last one, a little closer to home. This one's a little controversial. But from what I gather, the first skyline was on Glenway Avenue in Price Hill. Now, there are people that will argue about that. But from what I could find, that was the first first skyline that started. So today... We'll be looking at the first church meeting, in a sense. The first gathering of Christians to really focus on the word of Jesus and uh, devote themselves to his work. Um, It's Acts chapter 11, verse 19 uh, through the end of the chapter. Then we'll pick it up at the end of 12 and the very beginning of of 13. That tells you a little bit about the, the church that met in Antioch. Um, uh, and uh, that's the place where the church really started to take hold and became the launching pad for taking the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth. Let's pray together. Uh, Almighty God, thank you again for your written word as it speaks to us of your truth. And now continue to open our eyes, our heart, our, our hands to, to hear and to do uh, what you're calling us to do, what you've been calling your people uh, to do since the, the beginning of time and help us, Lord, to, to tie into you and to tie in to that history. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. By chapter 11, starting with verse 19. Now, Those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. 
So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now, in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them, named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone, according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so the first thing that want us to see that the church is always going to be doing, even if they don't want to, they're always going to be following God's plans. It's just the nature. Always going to be following God's plans. And we are to follow God's plans, especially in the hard times. In the good times as well, but especially in the hard times. Because what happened here that made the church disperse from Jerusalem? So we've, we've been in the first ten chapters. We've seen that the, the, the church has gathered. Uh, Jesus has ascended. The Holy Spirit has descended. Pentecost has come. They're speaking the languages of the people. Thousands are being joined to them. And they're in Jerusalem. Uh, they, they call the, a new elder. They call the, the deacons. Uh, Stephen becomes the deacon. Stephen is proclaiming the word of Jesus. And then he is killed for sharing the love of Jesus with others. And that becomes... The spark that causes the church to disperse. Now, Jesus has told him all along, you're from back in the very beginning, chapter one, verse eight, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, the place around it, Samaria, the place that's a little beyond that, a little uncomfortable, even to the ends of the earth. But the church tended to hang around Jerusalem. They liked Jerusalem. They liked Judea. We tend to do that. You know, so in those ways, we, we like to stay in our Christian bubbles. So we're just like the first church. Let's pray that God doesn't do what he did then. <laughs> that, that Stephen then is martyred, and that's what then pushes the church out. They spread out into, into places well beyond Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Now, God did not cause that to happen, but God used those things to cause the church to follow God's plans. And that's what we're always going to be doing as a church, following God's plans. Now, let me throw a map up, up here that give you a little idea. Because I threw a lot of names um, at you of places that I didn't know where they were. Um, we have the map. There we go. Now, you can you can see where Jerusalem is. Right there, and that's the little spot where they were. Judea is just right around it, but as 
as we're told here, as they leave, as they are dispersing, there's folks from Cyrene, there are folks that go to Cyprus, Tarsus is where Saul was, Antioch is where they go, Phoenicia. So they spread far from Jerusalem to Antioch. It's about 300 miles. So they're, they're spread now all the way from northern Africa, where Cyrene was, um, all the way up into a really western Asia. Now, occurs because they're now taking, because of Stephen. And so they're now following um, the plans of God. And let that be, you know, what we just saying. God's plans marching on. God will always working to, to carry his good news to people who need to hear it. Who people who need to see it. He's always doing, that is his desire, his heart. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 4. Uh, reminds us this is God's heart. He he wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. That is God's heart. That's Jesus' heart. Remember when he was um, uh, headed in Jerusalem and he looked over Jerusalem and he wept and he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I wished to bring you all into the fold, but you wouldn't come. So that is God's heart in the church uh, to be continuing to, to lead us out of our comfort zones into the places where folks don't know Jesus. That that's what he's going to be doing. And, and you see that, that he's going to be leading you and me into places that are outside of our comfort zone. Because he wants us to carry this good news to others. And you see it with Jesus. Jesus had a small ministry, rural ministry in Galilee. Small little villages. Even when Jesus finished his ministry, there are only 120 people in the upper room. But then it gets to Jerusalem, and then that that becomes uh, that's more of a, a city, and it's a traditional uh, Jewish city uh, where the Holy Spirit then descends, and they move from 120 to two to three thousand. And now they've moved to its central location is now Antioch. Now Antioch is really a, a metropolis. It's in the same breath as Alexandria, Egypt, and Rome, Italy. Antioch was a place where there'd be thousands and thousands of people from all over the world. Huge trade center. And so now, so the good news of Jesus has moved from the, the little bitty sleepy villages in Galilee, uh, out of the you know, small town of Jerusalem, to now it's Taylor Swift concert. You know, it's in the big venues. Where thousands and thousands from all over the world will start to hear this good news. Um, so for us, for us, what we have to recognize is that we're still part of this same plan. This expanding work of, of the, the kingdom of God. Because there are always new people that are born. There are cultures and societies that maybe at one time had a strong Christian witness that now don't. And, and so we go, go back and we continue to go into places and take that good news. This, just this uh, last Wednesday, you know, we had a celebrate summer party that we threw for the neighborhood up on the uh, uh, avenue at Patrick's Park. I think I've got some pictures. You can show those. That One of those things is just to, to engage with people outside of the church. Get us out of our comfort zones. We're trying to make it easy for us. You know, throw a good band up there, throw some free Kona Ices, some fun games that we can play, face painting and all the rest. Make it easy for us to put ourselves in uncomfortable positions with people who maybe don't know Jesus. 
And we, from that gathering, we got over a hundred different contacts. People that gave us their name and number and even checked a little box and said, yeah, we'd love to hear more. What's going on with, with y'all? That's why we do things like Alpha. Trying to help us to get out of our comfort zone, engaging with people who don't know Jesus to try to bring him because this is what the church has always done. This has been our very beginning was to break us out of our comfort zones to, to share the love of our life with others. Uh, to share what we, who we say is the center, the essence of our life. The one who is the love of our attention and attraction. And that's the second thing that we learn from this passage. That the church is always rooted in the lordship of Jesus and the teachings of scripture. We are rooted We are united in the lordship of Jesus and the teachings of the scripture. Verse 23. Now, what what had happened was, um, so this, this folks get to Antioch and folks from Cyrene and Cyprus are there and they start sharing the good news with people beyond the Jews. They start sharing with the Greeks, with the pagans, with people who follow Zeus and all those other myriad of gods. And they start coming to know Jesus. And so they hear about it in Jerusalem, you know, which is the, the mother ship at this time. And so they say, hey, Barnabas, go find out what's going on. And so Barnabas goes there and this is what he finds. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. So Barnabas is now, he's the leader, the representative from, and what's the thing that he tells him? All right, stay centered on Jesus. Stay focused in his word. I mean, I love what, what he said here. He, he, he saw the grace of God. He saw it. The grace of God isn't something that just, we just believe. It is something that impacts our lives. It changes how we relate to God, how we relate to one another, how it changes the expression on our face. You can see God's grace in us. Yeah, that's, that's a great little line that reminds us of James. Remember the, in the book of James uh, where James says, faith without works is dead. That's what this is saying. You know, if you got faith, and granted, we are saved by faith alone. We don't earn our way into God. There's nothing we can do to make God love us anymore. Nothing we can do to make God love us any less. But And we are saved by faith alone. But faith is never alone. If faith is real, then it will have impact in our lives. And Barnabas sees that. And he sees, oh, these people have been changed. They've been impacted by Jesus. The Holy Spirit is with them. So now, you need to always be rooted in the Lordship of Jesus and the teachings of the Scripture. That is our unifying allegiance. Because we're, we're not about just making converts. We're about making disciples. We're really, we, we are not called to go get people to decide anything. We're called to invite people to give their lives to Jesus. We're not about making converts, but making disciples. And being a community of people who are committed to following Jesus. And that has never changed. That has never changed. And that's no different. No matter if we, we're in uh, 2023 America. If we're in 2023 Syria. 
No, no matter what age, what place we might be, that is always the same and that the church can always do. Be committed to following Jesus. Being an alternative expression of the kingdom of God in all the variety of kingdoms we live in. We are followers of Jesus. So when Barnabas... Oh, the other thing um, that uh, I love when, when Barnabas said this, that he wants you to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. Uh, really, the... The exact trans, translation of that is to have a determined heart to abide in Christ. It's the same word in John 15, you know, where Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Unless you abide in me, you can do nothing. If you've ever read that passage, you remember that. That's, that's the same word that Barnabas is saying here. You need, and, and, he, and he says, so you need to have a steadfast, a determined heart. In the first century, the understanding of heart was our will. It was our commitments. So your steadfast commitment, your first and foremost commitment, is that you are going to make, you're going to do everything you can to abide in Jesus in all of your life. And that's a beautiful picture of what it means for us to be followers of, of Jesus. So then, after Barnabas sees that, says this is great, he then goes to Tarsus. And get Saul. And you may remember Saul from some of the previous uh, chapters as we've walked through the book of Acts. Saul, who is, we call Paul, you know, was one who opposed um, the, the church. And then Jesus encountered him, blinded him and said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus. And, and then Paul learns, Saul learns that Jesus is the one that God has promised he was going to bring. From Adam to Abraham to David to all the promises God has made are fulfilled in Jesus. And Saul, he sees that, recognizes that, does 180. And instead of opposing the church, now he becomes the greatest missionary of the church. But Barnabas goes and gets him. Says, so you come hang here. And then for a year, for a year, they hang out meeting as the church. It's one of those first terms with the time church, which you've probably heard before. Many of you have church means ecclesia, you know, gathering of Christians for up until this point. For the most part, the church didn't gather together. Christians didn't gather together. They they gathered in the synagogue officially because that they were all, mostly all Jewish. Well, now there's folks that are Jewish and folks that are Gentiles. Well, they, they the Gentiles can't gather in the synagogue. So now they have to gather together. And it's here, we're told, that they first be called or named Christians. It's in Antioch that they first are named Christians. Now, that name Christian was actually a de- derogatory term. It was, it was used to often talk about uh, the, who your allegiance was to. Um, in a positive way, like you would be called a Caesarian. It's not Caesarian section, but Caesar, Caesar is in the emperor, Caesarian. You were a subject to Caesar. Caesar was your king or Neroian. Nero was your king and Caesar and Nero, man, they, they, they had some bling to them. You know I mean? They had some street cred. They were people worth following. That's uh, and, and in a sense, it was sort of be political, but not like our political Today, but what it was then it was who, who their governor or who, who their city manager was. That's what they were saying. And the Antiochians would use it in a derogatory way to say, and you guys are this Christian. 
You're following this Christ. And in the first century, Christ was just this dude that had a small following who was killed. And they got stories of him being raised from the dead, if they even knew who he was. So to say, your king is Christ. Well, mine's Nero, and look where he is. Mine's Caesar, and look at his power. So it was used negatively then. It's about 150 A.D. you start to see how the church starts to use it more positively. But throughout the scriptures, the words and the terms used for the church was not Christian. That wasn't used positively ever in the scriptures. But saints, brothers, believers, people of the way, disciples, or followers. Those were the terms that were used to describe us. Those are the terms that describe us today. It's about a commitment, a steadfast commitment of the heart to the lordship of Jesus and studying his word. I mean, that's that's why we have things like growth groups and Bible studies and times that we get together and we really share our lives and we engage. We Because we don't want to just be a convert who says we believe in Jesus. We want to be a disciple who believes in Jesus and obeys him and, and follows him. And, and we know the best way to do that is to be in small groups where we're sharing life with each other. Where we're honest and, and, and we can help one another to follow him. Because that's what the church did then. That's what we want to do now. We want to break out of our comfort zones and share Jesus with others. The Jesus we know we want to share with others. And we want to get real in our lives to following after Jesus. I'm in a small group now been in, with some pastors. And we're going through a book called Soul Shaping. And, and in, in, you know, it's only in those kind of conversations where we can ask, all right, so what's Jesus teaching you here? What, what's he trying to correct in you? And, and this, uh, uh, last, uh, time that we met, I'm like, you know, this is what Jesus is, is teaching me. He's, he's teaching me how to be wrong. I, I'm not wrong very well. Uh, I, I, I can see de- defensiveness or avoidance or anger as being the response to being wrong. And that's not like Jesus. Well, of course, Jesus wasn't wrong. But there are plenty of other folks that were following Jesus that, that were. But anyway, that w- that's not going to happen in this setting. Even if I'm sitting where you are, it's just not going to. But in a small group where we can share our lives with each other and we get honest with each other, that's where that happens. And that's what we want to be about. So the, the church is breaking the comfort zones. We're sharing Jesus with others. We are committed together above every other allegiance. Every other allegiance, people of every nation, tribe, race, and tongue are gathered with one primary allegiance, and that's to follow Jesus. And then look what happens. See what happens when the church comes together? Then then there is a, a generous caring for fellow followers of Jesus all over the world. So they, they get this gathering together and then they hear. They've been meeting for a year and they hear, hey, there's a famine coming. A prophet comes, a famine's coming. Okay, we need to save money because we know Jerusalem is in a hard, the church in Jerusalem is in a hard spot. They were under heavy persecution. The Romans came out, cleaned them out a number of times. And so there's a lot of stuff going on in Jerusalem that is rough. And now this famine's coming on, so we need to take care of them. So they agreed among themselves. All right, let's gather our, our money. Let's provide for our brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. Hereby, this this answers that um, that age-old debate. Should the church be focused on spiritual need or physical need? Yes. The answer to that is yes. 
Because right there, what, what, here it is. This is the first time you see the word church used and the people are gathering. So should they be concerned? I mean, there are people that don't know Jesus right down the street. But we also know there are real needs. Our brothers and sisters down 300 miles away and we need to care for them as well. So it's a false choice, actually. It's a, it's a both and. And that's why, why we, you know, we connect with our, our brothers and sisters around the world. And we do stuff like with ministries like Sunlight Power, which is a great combination of both physical and spiritual need. Whether it's in Honduras, whether it's in Ethiopia, um, whether um, wherever it, it might be, or whether it's in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Caring, bringing solar power to a place in the name of the one who is the light of the world. And that solar power will help a school have electricity. It'll have, it'll help a medical facility have refrigerate, refrigeration. And it'll help churches have electricity all in the same space. That's a powerful expression of that. In just a little bit, we're going to pray for a group of, uh, for, uh, Mary Sue and Christy who are headed to Kenya to connect with some ministries, both of physical need and spiritual need there. And maybe even scope it out to see if next year we can have a, 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 a a larger group of us go and connect and participate in, in the ministry there. But all kinds of ways that we participate in caring for fellow followers of Jesus and others in the name of Jesus. And then finally, uh, I'll jump to uh, the end of 12. Um, so Paul and Barnabas, they've now collected, they've taken the, the gift to Jerusalem. Now they return back to Antioch. And here, the Antioch now has an official church leadership team. And, and Luke mentions this team uh, of folks. There's the prophets and teachers that are of Antioch. There's Barnabas, who we know. And Barnabas is the most likely candidate here. Barnabas is like a priest. You know, so he was a spiritual man. He was in spiritual leadership before he came to Christ. And then after, he's the one that we expect to be there. Now, Simeon, who is called Niger, Niger means black, so he's probably from some other area of Africa. Throw the map back up for us. Because um, there's uh, Simeon, Niger, uh, probably from uh, um, uh, some part of Africa. Then there's also Lucius of Cyrene. You see where Cyrene, the tip of North Africa, probably um, uh, uh, Simeon might, might have been lower, like in Libya or south of that, Ethiopia, may, maybe from that area. But so even the leadership team of the first church in Antioch, you see that up in the upper right, is, has folks from Cyrene, from Africa, from Jerusalem, and then Saul, who's from Tarsus. The, 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 the team is diverse representing the places where the church is going and even beyond. As they go into new places, that's who the team represents. And then uh, Menean, who's there, we're told is a childhood friend of Herod the Tetrarch. That's what the passage says. Well, Herod the Tetrarch was the dude that beheaded John the Baptist. Menean is from the aristocratic powerful. He is the, the people of privilege. The, the word used childhood friends, also the same word that's used for adopted son. So there was close connection with Menean and, and Herod the Tetrarch. So this, this is quite a unique group representing the scope of the gospel in the scope of the people who are in leadership here.
And now they, then, and they're practicing, you know, they're practicing hanging out with Jesus. They're in prayer and, and fasting. And in that, in those spiritual practices, and again, this again, what teaches us, our mission flows out of our discipleship. It, it is, is from, as we are with, uh, now I know people have different, sometimes people come to Jesus through mission. They want to be involved in mission, and there they encounter Jesus and come to follow him. But as the, as the church, our mission flows out of our relationship with Jesus. And hanging out with him. And that's what they're doing here. They're bathed in the spiritual practices. They're prayer, praying, they're fasting, they're in community. They have the giftings of the Spirit. They're caring for those in need. They're doing evangelism. And then the Spirit says, all right, now, Paul and Barnabas, we're calling you out to go even further. Even further than we're going to expand the map with this good news. And this is about, just to give you a scope, from chapter 1 of Acts to chapter 12, 13. It's about 15 years. We sort of lose that sense. I mean, we had a year uh, go um, from between verses. Um, from Paul uh, and, and Saul leading the teaching to then... Saul going to Jerusalem. We had a year right there. So it gives you a, a scope of just the time that it, that it takes for the church to move to be the, the, the church. And it's now taking, this, it's a generous giving of love to the world, of sharing the love of Jesus. That's, that's what little of us is about. We're a part of that. Mission of being pushed out of our comfort zones, being committed with Jesus together, and then sharing him in, in, in deed and in word. That, that that becomes our mission. So uh, as we come to a time of prayer, I wonder if in this time of prayer the Spirit might be Engaging with you. Identifying with you. Where is that comfort zone that the Spirit's sort of pushing you out of? Where's the, the need? May not be in Jerusalem, but maybe in your neighborhood, maybe in your community. Where's that need that the Spirit's calling you to, to give to? Where, where's the, the, the new person in your life? New neighbor, new colleague at work, new uh, person at the, the gym or... The why or new person that you meet um, in your community. Where, where's, where's that place? Maybe that's what the Spirit lays upon you um, for continuing just our little ways of engaging the same things that the church has been about since its very birth. Or maybe it's a particular study. Maybe it's a particular issue of character. You know, maybe you want to join me in learning how to be wrong well. Because the Spirit's always working. Always doing something, using the circumstances of our lives even to, to bring those different uh, possibilities. So which, which one does the Spirit lead you to? Let's, uh, let's take a minute in, in silence and then I'll... Lead us in prayer.
Almighty God, we do give you praise that you are faithful and strong and powerful beyond imagination. That you continue to carry out your mission in and through your, your people since the beginning of time. And we do sing glory. Hallelujah. Your truth does continue to march on. Your love, your grace, your mercy, your goodness continues to march on. And we get to be a part of that. So we, we lift ourselves up to you, Lord. We, we pray for um, us as a church, for us individually, that what we're doing is not just about making converts or just about maintaining an institution, but we are continuing to carry out this mission. We, we want to be steadfast in our commitment to your Lordship, Jesus, and obedience to your word. We, we want to be people of generosity, caring for the needs around us as, as you so gift to us. May we give to others in times of physical need and continuing to move beyond comfort zones to share the love of Jesus uh, with, with others. Uh, we offer ourselves to you. Uh, gracious God, we're, we're thankful also for your faithfulness to us, um, your care upon us. We, we pray for those in need of your uh, physical touch, No need of healing, Um, whether it's physical healing. We give you thanks for Kathy Mueller's return home from her surgery and pray your continued strength in her recovery. Uh, We're we're thankful for Janet Bennett and the good news that she has received and Andrea Brown and the good news that she has received. May you continue to bring healing to both of them. Other needs that you know in our lives and that we, we know, we lift them up to you, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, relational financial we know there's no area of our life that you don't care about and that your power can't bring healing and transformation so we lift those up to you as well we give you thanks for this last Wednesday night for Alpha that's meeting and we pray for the connections and relationships that are seeds that were planted and pray those will continue to form and and develop and and bloom and be, be fruitful Unto you. We lift all these things unto you. In the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.